the Many Things Podcast. Hello and welcome to the uh, Many Things Podcast, joined by old school friend today, Joe Pomeroy. All right, mate? Hello. Nice intro, Harry. Thank you. Thank you for that. Now, hopefully the signal's all right, but he's coming from Tuscany, right? I'm in a house in Tuscany, yeah. And there's bad signal on top of a hill. Mm-hmm. Now, I saw the photo. It's beautiful. I, I'll put it up on the screen in the edit, actually, so people can see. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's I'm staying with my uncle here for a few weeks. Nice. So today, the reason why you're coming on, but part of the reason, is because you do free diving. Now, a little bit of context about free diving for people that don't know. Um, it was sort of, people have been doing it for hundreds and hundreds of years, but the sort of modern free diving, according to this Netflix documentary I watched yesterday, started in 1949 when an Italian Air Force captain named Raimondo Butcher took a bet and dove 30 meters down to the bottom of the sea near Naples, you know, just holding his breath. And apparently that's when it sort of started. But like, on to you, like, how did you start and get into free diving? Well, I am, um, my dad used to live in the Bahamas and I would go out to the Bahamas and see him. And in the, where, where we were staying in the Bahamas, the, all, all people, people spend all their time in the sea, just spearfishing and free diving, also diving with tanks, but, but my dad was really into free diving. So, um, my dad actually died free diving. Did you know that? Yeah. I remember you telling me years ago, but I didn't know yeah. how to talk about it today, but, uh, yeah. but when, when I was 11, he died free, in a free diving accident. It's, it's a really dangerous thing. Lots of people have, um, have accidents because you can have a shallow water blackout. So when you're coming back up, that's often when you when you black out. But yeah. in his situation, he was wearing a dive watch, so we could kind of tell what he did. He was doing some deeper dives, like 100 feet or more, a little bit more than 100 feet, so a bit more than 30 meters. And then he did some shallower dives, and I think he came up and must have passed out and just sank. Oh, my God. So that's how I started. So I started free diving because I'd go and visit him, and everybody was free diving. So I haven't really learned how to do it. I've just seen a lot of people doing it. And, um, and so I haven't done it so much, but last summer I, I spent some time doing it because I went to the Bahamas to see an old friend and we were spearfishing with a Hawaiian sling, which is like not, it's not the gun. You have a, a pole, which you put through this thing that's kind of just a, like a slingshot. Damn. And, and that's how we... Is it like an arrow fire with the sling? It's like just a long straight spear. And then you have a handle which has a hole through it and you put the spear through the handle and then there's a piece of rubber. And so, so you, uh, you just put, there's no like aiming thing. You just look at what you want to shoot and let go. Do you think those are harder to aim than a normal spear gun? I've never tried a spear gun. This is like, it's very basic, the Hawaiian sling, but it's a, so it's not connected to like a wire or anything. Once you shoot the fish, the fish will swim off and you have to find it and dive down and try and get out of the hole or wherever it goes. No, so it's, like, it's, a challenge. it's a challenge. It doesn't have the, so it doesn't have the string. So you could just lose your, lose your spear. You could lose the spear. So you have to hold your breath for long enough to shoot the fish and then to watch where it goes. Because usually once you shoot a fish, it will go into a hole. And if it's a big fish, it, will, it won't die. So then it might go into a hole and maybe it needs to get another spear and shoot it again. Because if you just pull the spear, it could just rip, rip out. Wow. So, so we were eating, I was eating a lot of fish and, um, and free diving a little bit and spear fishing last summer. Yeah. 
Mm. And the guy I was with, he was he's older now, but um, but he used to be a really great free diver as well. Everybody there free dives just because food is very expensive. So um and people and the fish is really great. So people mostly eat fish. And it's a good way to um yeah. Yeah, loop, yeah, looping back a little bit. Yeah, sorry to hear about your father. Like that's yeah, it's a terrible story. So did you ever free dive with him though before? Well, I, I was super lucky because because he was living in the States, but in the Bahamas and America, when I would go out, we'd always do crazy things. And he told me to dive with a tank when I was um when I was like nine, I guess, eight, nine, in a swimming pool. But then we went out and did some did some dives in open water, like hundred foot dives. And uh, we dove into into blue holes. We we did some really cool stuff, diving with sharks and things. Blue holes. Um, and that age, I was really keen to dive with the tank and free diving didn't really interest me, but they were still always interested in free diving because you don't have all the gear. You can just be just, just you. You don't need a, these, these big heavy tanks. Uh, all you need is a mask really and, and a snorkel and some I've, fins and some weights maybe. Yeah. So at that age, I was, I did do a little bit of free diving, but you know, even um, like diving eight feet at that age felt felt really deep yeah i'm sure see i've done a little bit of scuba diving before only once yeah college trip and we learned we got our i can't remember the name of the certificates i think mine's down paddy license yeah paddy license i think mine's yeah. down. i don't know maybe like 20 meters something like that maybe less it wasn't crazy deep but i remember like i didn't enjoy it that much because i found what was really annoying was like all the bubbles there's so many bubbles like i was never yeah bubbles maybe i was doing it wrong but they kind of kept coming in front of my uh my visor oh, yeah, a lot, yeah. So, so that was kind of annoying and i used to <laughs> i used to just chug through oxygen as well so i had, oh, yeah. I had a bigger tank than everyone else i don't know why but i just chugged through oxygen at a much faster rate so oh wow i don't know why that i, yeah, I think um to, to dive well even with a tank takes a lot of practice because but in the bahamas a lot of the guys do cave diving that's a big thing which is very intense. You need to do a lot of training to, to do cave diving because you, you have to be, you have to use the oxygen very slowly and they're going to, through these caves that no one has ever been in. And sometimes they're going through gaps that like just as big as their body. So they have to take their, take their tanks off and pass them through and oh then go God. through the gaps. And they have small fins and you have to be very gentle because if you like make one wrong move or That's kick too violently, all the silt will come up and you just, you can't see anything. And you're in the middle, you're completely under the ground. In the Bahamas, Abaco is the island that I go to. And there's, there are amazing cave structures all the way that, go, that run underneath the whole, the whole island. So, like, I've heard a little bit about this cave diving, but to me, that just sounds, like, too much. It's too dangerous. It's insane. Like, it sounds it's super scary to me as well. I don't, I don't see the... Um, I don't think I would particularly want to do it, but these guys in the Bahamas are like obsessed. But particularly one guy that was actually with my dad when he died, who who's um he works at the University of Miami, Kenny Broad. He's a, he's one of the he's like one of the top cave divers. He um won Explorer of the Year with the National Geographic for exploring some some. They did like multiple days going through these caves that have never been never been explored before. But so, so when my dad died, he, he was free diving with somebody else 
and the other guy just got out of the water and then and then my dad must have passed out and Kenny and somebody else were diving with tanks and they had also come back up but then when they realized my dad was gone they put the tanks back on and went down to the bottom and they found him there oh my god but um yeah okay so there's a lot of cave that just water related stuff cave diving and um and free diving and also also scuba diving in, the, in where I go in the Bahamas but um People aren't. People are more into either. The people I know are more into free diving or cave diving. Yeah, don't don't do that cave diving shit. Like free diving is dangerous enough. You know what I mean? Like yeah, yeah. It's yeah, not. Yeah. I don't think it's for me. But I think there's something. The reason that a lot of people like it is because it's like another world. It's like being on the moon, and also it's unexplored. So if you go down into these cave structures that are millions of years old. With amazing stalactites and just seeing these environments that nobody else has ever seen i think there's something that's probably powerful about that yeah it's it's insane it, it is insane um sorry i'm just gonna call call my researcher i'm trying to remember the stat i think it's something like only five percent of the uh, the ocean floor has been explored hey bro if you can hear me research uh, what percentage of the ocean floor has been explored please sorry I forgot to call you but yeah so it's it's so unexplored the ocean floor but when you actually kind of step back and realize majority of the earth is ocean right so mm -hmm. like the majority of the earth's surface under the water or or over like hasn't actually been explored yet yeah yeah crazy I know it's, it's kind of hard to yeah, can't, hard to comprehend. And people are spending so much time um, trying to explore space. This is what I, I don't, I don't understand. But a friend of mine the other day asked me, would I, would I go into space if I, if I could? And I said probably not because there's so much to explore on this planet. I feel like I could spend my life exploring things on this planet and um, and never get bored. So I don't think I would, I wouldn't go into space if I was given the opportunity. Yeah, that's what um that's what David Attenborough said as well. He was like, "Why is everyone so interested in space? Whereas you know we haven't ex explored the, explored our own planet fully." Oh, what a legend! He sent something through. Okay, currently less than ten percent of the global ocean is mapped using modern sonar technology. For the ocean and coastal waters of the United States, only thirty five percent has been mapped with modern methods. Uh, yeah, the floor. So. The sea floor that is i should say so that, that's insane isn't it we haven't really yeah there's probably life life down there that we don't know about yeah well they think that whenever they uh whenever they put those submarines the robot subs into the super you know crazy depths of the ocean they're always finding new species down there mm -hmm. like, yeah which is yeah. yeah it's crazy man we do have some alien looking because those deep sea ones, because there's no light down there, they, they they don't use like they just look so bizarre. You know, have you seen yeah, like, yeah. see through fish and stuff like that? I've seen some. Yeah, they look they look alien. Yeah, yeah, it's insane. It's insane. Um, yes. Yeah, so, so back to the free diving. Wait, let me try share screen with you now. So oh, right. this video of you when you're swimming down, you're swimming down. Ah, no, yeah. Instagram. Yeah. Yeah. Like it's a good song, by the way. But how deep are you swimming with this video? That was about hundred feet. That's hundred feet. Wow. So um, yeah, I didn't, that that was about hundred feet. It was just just below. I think it was like ninety-five feet. That was the bottom of the. That was I got to the bottom then, which was like ninety-five feet. Yeah. 
Which is the even that feels like a different world. What did you say, sir? Was this in the Bahamas? Yeah, that was in the Bahamas last summer. Yeah. I, I keep showing my friends this video. Like, look at this guy. I used to, I used to go to school with. Look how deep he's diving here. And everyone gives the same reaction. Like, holy shit. Like, oh, does it look deep? That's cool. <laughs> crazy, man. That's, yeah. Going down I was, just um also it's funny during when i was in the bahamas i was i was doing a lot of like breath work stuff this is what i was going to ask you how you know do you train for this to hold your breath and stuff i haven't really done any training but i've done a little bit of the wim hof stuff where he does the circular breathing and then lets it all out and then you go into like a bit of a meditative state mm-hmm. and um so I can hold my breath for about two and a half minutes when I when I release when I have no air, air in my lungs after doing the circular breathing for a while. Wow, which is is great practice, and it, I think it's just because it allows you to go into this meditative state, and that's what I find with free diving. Once you once you you breathe a little bit, and then when when you go down, you're just not thinking about anything else because if you do, then then you need to breathe. Like as soon as you start thinking, oh shit, I'm deep, or thinking about anything. Then, um, then you, you like your body remembers that you it's, it's like telling you that you need to breathe, and then it's not an enjoyable thing. But if you manage to get into this state of tranquility or like peace and um, feeling calm, then that's when it's so enjoyable because the sound is different. You have this like weight on your body because you're so far underwater, and water is so heavy. Um, so th- yeah, that, that's why I do it, to find this like sense of. Mm. I'm kind of into some of like the the breathwork stuff a little bit like I meditate but I was trying to explain to my parents last time I saw them I was like most people don't actually know how to breathe properly which sounds great but it's true the way we don't do breaths and stuff but a lot a lot of the uh, big wave surfers do that as well they they do like all this breathwork stuff because when they get held down with these big sort of 60 70 foot waves you can get held down for like a minute but they're getting tossed and turned so yeah Uh, yeah energy so yeah the two the two and a half minutes um is that in or out of water because surely it's a lot less when you're out of water just out of water just relaxing i can do i think easily i can do two minutes in water if i'm swimming very gently Um, that's about like that's comfortable so you can do 100 you can do 100 feet with two minutes two minutes of breath easily swimming down very gently because then after after a certain point you start to sink so even with no weights on after 30 feet i start to sink very slowly and then you get faster and faster as you become less and less buoyant because the the further down you go the less buoyant you are Uh, and the more did you say something no i was just saying (laughs) (laughs) and your air in your lungs gets compacted so much because it's under so much pressure so the air in your lungs when you're at like a uh, hundred feet is the size of I, I don't know it's the size of a small golf ball or something. Wow, that's insane. the air that would fill your lungs above uh, above the water. Yeah, and also as you're going down, you have to um, you have to de- you have to your your mask is getting more and more compressed against your face. So as well as decompressing your ears. You need to be letting little bits of air out of your nose to fill your mask back up. Back up. Otherwise, it will just get stuck to your face and like, suck your eyes. Yeah, I did. So back in October, I was in Sardinia. I mean, I was doing a bit of snorkeling. I wasn't going down very deep, maybe like, you know, three or four meters. But I felt that then even the mask was like pushing in on my face. Yeah, you just, so you just need to let, it like, let out a little drip of air from your nose. 
Mm. So you got. It's funny because then when you go down a hundred feet, you've let you've actually let quite a lot of air out into your mask. So on your way back up, you can it fills back up and you can take small sips through your nose as it's filling back up on your way on your way up. Yeah, that video that's so crazy. When you go down that deep, like you can you can barely see you in the video from the surface. Like yeah, and and my friend that was videoing was 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 not at the surface. He was like a little bit lower. Oh really? Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, That's and the water is a strange color when it's when it's that deep. It's this deep, it's this rich, rich blue, and then when you get down to the bottom, it's like so vast. It's cool. Today's episode is brought to you by UX Torches, providers of small, high efficiency, military grade aluminium waterproof torches. They're long distance and perfect for outdoor activities such as camping and hiking. Or if, like me, you just need it to take your bins out at night time. Whatever your need, get yours at www.uxtorches.com. That's www.uxtorches.com. But talking, talking about the breathwork stuff, um, when I was in the Bahamas, I wasn't training with the breathwork, but I was, doing, I was following a course with some guy who was doing ecstatic breathing. Mm-hmm which um, is kind of similar to the circular breathing. You, um, you get into a rhythm of breathing. There was two breaths in and one breath out. Well, first breath into your stomach and then the top of your lungs and then out. And you do this for like 20 minutes, half an hour. And it's, it's like, it's a, it's a, you put a lot of effort into it and you're breathing through your mouth. And um, you can easily get into this deep meditative, meditative state and then... Um, it was, it was guided so that I was following these videos and he was talking through relaxing all parts of your body, finding areas that you're holding tension. And um, I definitely realized that I was holding some tension within my, within my stomach, which was, it was funny that I was in the Bahamas because it was, it was related to, um, to the, the grief of losing my dad. So I, I definitely suppressed a lot of emotions and um, I was holding, I could feel that I was holding that in, in a tension within, within my stomach which um which i really which i managed to release following this this breathwork course so yeah it's, it's amazing what the breath can do and and as you're saying people don't really know how to breathe so much anymore and it's funny that um how much the the breath affects your your mood so if you're taking very shallow breaths just into the top of your lungs you'll you'll be a lot more stressed because um it, it releases a lot more uh what's the, the chemical carbon no carbon dioxide Oh uh, no, no, like a um, cortisone. Oh, cortisol, Cort- cortisol. This, it's related to stress. Stress was- hormone. The stress yeah. hormone is yeah. massively connected to um, to how you're breathing. Yeah. Well, research uh, cortisol or the stress hormone uh, related to your breathing. Let's see if our, our research has been returning the good so far. He actually sent me some pretty cool photos of this underwater fish as well underwater fish deep water fish (laughs) (laughs) an underwater fish my god (laughs) that's funny but yeah uh it was the same as meditation meditation is really good for uh sort of like anxiety and it releases you you know your moods and stuff sometimes i haven't like i try to meditate a lot but if i don't meditate during like the working week or something then you do it at the weekend you're like you just have this pressure released off you. And I think it's mm. kind of similar stuff like related to yeah. the uh, the breath work. Um, For sure. But I For me, um, 
for me, breath work allows me to get into a deeper meditation more easily. So mm -hmm. sometimes I often struggle to sit down and meditate. But if I'm actively doing something like breathing or focusing on my breath, then um, then I can more easily get into a deeper state of meditation. Uh, okay. Yeah, that's cool. That's cool, man. I wanted to talk a little bit about the animals. So when I was in uh, Sardinia at the end of last year, I was doing some snorkeling. And do you know what like a, a cordial is? The sort of duck, but it's like a duck type thing. But oh yeah, yeah. I I was down swimming over these uh, over these rocks. There's quite quite a lot of cool fish there, and there was this huge shoal of a little fish, and they were all suddenly just like swimming swimming for their lives. And I turned around. And there was one of these uh, ducky bird things had dove into the water yeah. and was chasing them underwater, like yeah. away from me or like a meter away from me. I was like, oh, my God. So that's like, cool. That must have been such a cool sight being underwater and seeing that. It was crazy. It was amazing. I was like some, you know, some planet Earth filmmakers probably wait for like months to see something. Like that. <laughs> yeah. And, yeah. But, that's really yeah. So, yeah. What sort of. Have you had any experiences with a lot of uh, marine life when you do your free diving? In the Bahamas, there are a lot of fish. So the, the ocean is, is, is beautiful. And there's a lot of sharks and, and fish, yeah. Um, but so, oh, a fun experience. It must have been like, like six years ago, I was, I was there and I was scuba diving with my friend that lives there, Rashad, who was a good friend of my dad's and my mom's. And um, there was a turtle that was, the turtle's head was as big as my head and the body was about this big. Wow. And it saw us and it went underneath, it stuck its head underneath a rock because then it thinks that it, if, if, you, if it can't see you, then you can't see it. And um, Rashad, who I was with, picked the turtle up from the back and swung it around and it, 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 it snapped so close to my face with its head, with this massive head, massive beak. And then he held on to the turtle and, and um, had a little ride around. Wow, that's insane. But um, yeah, so there, there are turtles, lots of stingrays and um, eagle rays. Eagle ray, rays are so beautiful, also with massive wingspans. And I've seen big groups of eagle rays, um, as well as lots of, lots of sharks and groupers, big groupers. Mm. Going back to the turtles a little bit. I never thought you know, it would be actually dangerous. Yeah. You said it snapped. Yeah. I, I think if they snap, if they snap, then they could do some damage. But uh, this was the biggest turtle. This was the biggest turtle I've ever seen. It must be insane. insane. I've seen so them. Old. Yeah. When I was in Sri Lanka with a, on a family holiday, we went to see, you know, the eggs on the beach. Oh, uh, yeah. They're all hatching. And you saw these tiny little, these tiny uh, yeah. turtles like making their way out to sea. Do they, do they run? Or, yeah, or kind of. They kind of run across the. Uh, they kind of run across the sand. But you know, they have yeah. hundreds, and hundreds of eggs. I can't imagine what the success rate is of those little circle, little turtles. But I feel like uh, a lot of those aren't going to survive. You know. Yeah, yeah. And it's funny that they always lay their eggs on the same beach, don't they? Yeah, they go back to the same beach. Um, well, this is what yeah. I'm trying to find out. Uh, scientists have discovered sea turtles can do this naturally through magnetorception the ability to detect the earth's magnetic fields the earth field is one of several cues that guide newly hatched turtles as they migrate offshore for the first time further out to sea magnetic fields un uh, unique to different geographic areas function as navigational markers that elicit change in swimming direction at crucial points 
in the migratory route where turtles might otherwise stray off course. So they use the Earth's magnetic fields. It's their sort of underwater sat nav. Wow. Yeah. That's and amazing. I didn't know that. That's that's so amazing. Amazing, isn't it? Because I got this, I got this nature book, which I've read before. And you know, they do thousands and thousands of miles across oceans and return and to the same right. beach, which yeah. is crazy. Like to be able to do yeah. that, like it's insane, really, isn't it? Like a lot of these animals have are better at a lot of things than humans. You know, which yeah, is for sure, they're in touch with the, they they're in touch with the sense that we we're not in touch with. No, like even imagine magnetic field, like a mile underwater, and you know, get roughly meet the same area. Like it's impossible. It'd be so yeah, hard. yeah, yeah. It'd be crazy hard to do, wouldn't it? So yeah, I wanted to talk a little bit about this uh, Filipino uh, free diver. His name oh, yeah. Iman. Gulisan, and he's from the Samabuja ethnic group in the Philippines. Not sure the pronunciation is quite right there, but anyway. And so the Philippines is a country made up of 7,640 islands. And a lot of the culture of the uh, Baju uh, ethnic group is to sort of live off the, live off the sea, right? And this guy, uh, his grandfather, his father, all used to spearfish and do this deep free diving. You know, he holds, yeah. he can hold his breath for four and a half minutes underwater. So this guy's crazy. Yeah. Like, how long he can yeah. hold his breath for. And but what's interesting is they say that these uh, people, the the Samabaju Filipino people, that they've actually evolved. Uh, so their spleen, which apparently helps process oxygen, is 50% larger than the average person's. So yeah, right. they can process oxygen more efficiently and stay underwater for longer. So this, yeah. this was the same guy on a um, Attenborough documentary. You might have seen this clip before, but wait, let me hold it. He takes one last breath. You seen this guy before? No, but I have seen um free diving in the actually no, yeah, I have seen this clip, yeah. Yeah, it was on a uh Attenborough documentary. So to, to I think to hold your breath and swim with no fins like this is much more difficult than than with fins. Fins make it a lot more easy. Yeah, that's that's what I was gonna say. He's got no fins on this guy, which is insane. And he's going down 20 meters. Look how yeah. clear the water is. Isn't that beautiful? Yeah. Beautiful, yeah. Heartbeat slows to around 30 beats per minute. The pressure at these depths crushes his chest, squeezing the air in his lungs to one third of its usual volume. Even without weights, he's negatively buoyant enough to stride across the bottom of the sea as if hunting on land. <laughs> it's kind of mad. So that's the bit. He was talking about then his lungs go down to a third of the size. Yeah, because of the pressure. And pressure just crushes it. And I didn't realize the buoyancy thing though, because you're so far under, you don't yeah. have to spend, because if you're just like two meters down, you have to spend a lot of energy just keeping yourself down, right? Because mm -hmm. you're so far down, you don't actually. But, um, yeah, people, people's buoyancy, it varies. It varies from person to person where you, where, where, 
the point at which you become negatively buoyant. Mm -hmm. So people with more fat on them are, are more buoyant than people who are very lean generally. Mm -hmm. so, so you're pretty buoyant then. You're pretty, you're pretty lean guy. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not very buoyant. Not a very buoyant guy. That's handy. Like in I the water. I think I'm quite buoyant in day to day life. Try and be. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> yeah, it's a nice way to be. I remember when I was scuba diving. Um, we had you know the weight belt. <clears throat> yeah. And then we also had a thing that gives you pumps you up, gives you air. Yeah, it fills up the uh, the the like vesty thing. I was thinking like if this air thing breaks, I've just got these weights. They're not just going to drag me down to my death. No, you wouldn't. You would be able to swim against it for sure. Mm, too strong. Yeah. No, no, I don't think so. No, you'd be strong enough to fight it. Yeah. Okay. That, yeah, that's what I remember. That I saw the repetitive thought I was having when I was scuba diving. But back to this guy in the Philippines, like. So the people you knew in the Bahamas free diving, what was their sort of culture, like their way of life? Was this just like a hobby or? Well, so my parents moved to the Bahamas with this guy, Rashad, who I went to stay with, who's still living there when they were like my age, 25, maybe a bit earlier. Um, they were just living on a sailing, a sailboat and uh, looking for treasure. So they had no money or anything. So the reason they, they would free dive is to catch fish and survive. Wow. Also, because then if they'd catch a good sized fish, they could sell it and make a bit of money to buy cigarettes or whatever. <laughs> That's crazy. So how long were they, your parents doing that for? Like five years. Five years. They on a, like a very small sailboat that they, um, that they bought. And Rashad, Rashad, who I went to stay with, who's still living there, he also had a small sailboat and they would, they would sail around together. And um, he had a boat that he built himself, which he's, he's still got in the Bahamas. Mm -hmm. And now he's built like a small little house there as well. So when I go, he lets me stay on his boat. That's insane. He built his own boat. He built his own boat. He's an amazing man, Rashad. Is it made out of wood, metal? What's it made out of? Fiberglass. Uh, it's a proper, proper sailing boat. It, it could go around the world, yeah. Uh, I was expecting he's a guy. He's a guy with amazing stories. He's been yeah. I was just kind of like wooden boat or something. I don't know if he built himself. So he, he he's pretty handy. He's probably able to make surfboards out of his fiberglass, right? He could do, he could do anything. This man. <laughs> he's, well, yeah, he he followed his design and did it all properly. It's, it's like it look doesn't look like a homemade boat. You'd think oh this this guy bought like a twenty thousand thirty thousand pound boat. Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, I don't really know how much boat co boats cost, but yeah, yeah. Don't think it's cheap. Uh, mm. So, uh, did your uh, did your parents find any treasure? No, <laughs> they didn't find any treasure. They found uh, like cannon cannonballs and things, but the, they would go down. They would actually they would have tanks and go down and, and metal detect the surface in the areas that they were, that they knew were there were shipwrecks. And once they got a hit, they they had one of those old those water scooters. Oh yeah, I've you know, seen those that you hold on to, and they they like turned that upside down and attached a pipe to it. So instead of it pulling you along, it was like just blowing water through this pipe, and instead of digging, it would like blow the sand away. Wow. They just found some cannonballs and things. No no gold. Dang, I mean that's a shame. That's pretty cool though. Even finding yeah, I think, I think it's a fun way to spend time. <laughs> I never knew that about you. Your parents are kind of treasure hunters. That's the kind of thing that, like, 
It's like your dream job, you know. But like, I didn't think people actually did this really that much. Yeah, I think I think it was probably my dad's idea. He probably read some books about some treasure that'd gone missing in the Bahamas or something, and thought that it was sounded like a mm. an adventure. For sure. Like on a previous episode that I've done with my mate, we found out. So it's off the coast of Colombia. They found this old um ex spanish armada boat because back then you know the spanish colony like this sort of 1680s whenever it was somewhere around that time they used to own a lot of south america and exploit it yeah so, yeah so this ship had sunk like 500 years ago 400 years ago and it contained full of gold like rammed full of gold and they think is worth 13 billion dollars this one ship right so the spanish government are trying to claim it's theirs and then the Colombian government are trying to claim it's theirs as well. So there's this like whole kind of legal battle thing going over. Wow. Well, yeah, it's, it's insane. Well, but if you think about it, it should really go to the Colombians because, okay, technically the Spanish were in possession of it back then. But back then they were like, you know, they were stealing and like, you know, ruling over the, the Colombia. Yeah, yeah. And it's on Colombian soil now, kind of. Yeah, well, it's their waters. So if it's Colombia, their waters, or is it is is the water open water? Who knows? Yeah, is wow. is it difficult? That's yeah, it's sure. difficult. But um, yeah, I'm not sure whether it's international waters or Colombian waters. Do you know what's crazy though? Uh, the royal family and the queen, so they own all of the seabed, like within I can't remember how many miles, a certain number of miles off the coast of England, they own all the seabed. <laughs> I didn't know that. How do you, yeah, how do you work out that legislation, that law? Like, that's some, <laughs> that's some crazy stuff because all the, uh, like, BP and some of, some of these companies with the, uh, the wind, the wind farm things. Yeah, the, are they paying rent? The, they're paying rent. Yeah, to the they're, they're paying rent. They're paying a lot yeah. of rent, like hundreds of millions yeah. of pounds to the, uh, to the royals. But yeah, that's, it's kind of another story though. But yeah, yeah that's insane how your, uh, your parents. Yeah, so there are some people that do that for a living, hunt for treasure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's there are people that make it make it work. My um, my parents didn't manage to make it work, but at least they tried. Like you got to give yeah, it. Yeah, and I think it's it's fun to live on the Baham- in, in the Bahamas on a boat. Oh, for sure, for sure. So how did they like in terms of drop? Where did they drop the anchor to? Like where are you allowed to? Did they rent in ports or? Oh, it's empty. The Bahamas. The Bahamas is um. There are some bits that are very, very built up, but especially then, when when would that have been like, like thirty five, forty years ago? As even Abaco now, it's it's not it's not vastly populated. There's you don't you there are some ports and things, but you can just drop the anchor anyway. It's kind of the Bahamas around there is it's not too deep, so mm-hmm. you just drop the anchor wherever really. Oh, that's pretty. Um, good. Yeah, there's there there weren't like. There's there's one in the, the island I go to Abaco, which I think they spent most of their time around Abaco. There's one town, one main town, and it's there's like one traffic light in the town. Other than that, it's just um, pine forests and um, yeah, lots of open water that you, and you don't really see don't see loads of people. It's not it's not super busy. Yeah, that's beautiful. So they were, I think they were just they wouldn't have been paying for someone to drop the anchor. They would have just been just dropping the anchor anywhere. That's pretty cool. Um, I mean, I guess like just living off the fish is a pretty good diet. Maybe you need some like vegetables as well. Yeah, I, th- I think they would have been. They would have got veg from the from the main from the main 
um inland yeah. main main um yeah town or or maybe like swap some fish for veg or if they were diving a lot and fishing then they would probably they would have swapped that for stuff yeah okay but isn't it um, isn't it in the path like the bahamas don't you get all the crazy storms once a year the hurricane season yeah like it get like florida and the bahamas just get smashed right yeah yeah because um yeah hurricanes can come off the off the atlantic there yeah mm. so uh i was there last summer during the hurricane season but luckily there were no hurricanes but but it's so empty during hurricane season because people that are there for there are no holiday makers it's just people who have a house there and don't have a house other places generally say mm-hmm. otherwise otherwise people leave but um but yeah there are there are some really bad hurricanes yeah so yeah so you didn't hear any like there are no horror stories of when your parents were out there when there were hurricanes they didn't get uh, well, Rashad Rashad the guy I was staying with he has he has so many stories he could Every time I see him, I hear a new story that's just completely crazy. He, he told me stories about when he just had his boat, when he was just living on his boat, and a hurricane would come in because you get a couple of days warning usually, maybe mm-hmm. five, five mm-hmm. days warning. So he'd put his boat into the mangroves and then tie every corner of his boat to to the mangroves because the mangroves mangrove roots are pretty strong. Mm-hmm. So if you tie, so you put that anchors and tie tie to the mangrove roots, and and still he's been inside his boat and and it been um pushed up right onto the mangroves in these in these storms and like been completely on, on its side. His boat is completely watertight. So if you button down the hatches, yeah. then it'll be up and down and it will still be fine. Yeah. My- but um he's got yeah, so many stories about hurricanes or being yeah. in hurricanes being pushed up into or like the mangrove roots ripping and not him not being sure whether they'll hold and stuff like that. He was actually lost at sea for three days oh my God. because he was because he was in a storm and he put down two anchors. He's with a girl, his girlfriend. He put down two anchors. They were in like the water wasn't particularly deep, and one of the anchors, one of the li- lines snapped. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was like, "Fuck! I need to go and get the anchor because anchors are kind of expensive, and he's they're living on a budget." So he dove down to get the anchor, and then the other anchors, other anchor line snapped. And the boat just drifted away. This was in a storm. And um, his girlfriend, who was on the boat, managed to throw the, the life ring. And he had his fins and mask. And, um, yeah, he, he floated for, uh, for, a few, for a few days. Well, like two days. I think two nights and two days. Jeez. I think he put his mask on and his snorkel. And he, he got the ring and managed to like, make things so he could kind of rest. And um, and then luckily found a, he he's, he drifted to this piece of rock, and crawled up onto this piece of rock, and then luckily was found. But um, but it's, if he tells the story, he's, he tells the story really well. Jesus Christ! So he has so many stories like this. He's, he's yeah, Rashad. He's lived a crazy life. Did did the boat not have an engine? Was it just purely sailing? Just, I, I think it, it might have had a small engine, but but not not um powerful enough to go against the. Uh, oh against the storm and his girlfriend didn't really wasn't like proficiently using the she didn't really know how to sail so luckily she drifted into a, a port oh my but god he, when so when he landed when he found himself on these on these rocks he was lying there and he hadn't had a, he hadn't had any water for two days and um there were seagulls on this rocks and he said that at some point the seagull started bouncing on his chest to check if he was still alive. Was <laughs> oh my like, god! Oh, next time a seagull lands on my chest, I'm just gonna 
grab it by its feet and like, bite its head off and drink its blood because he was so thirsty. And the next time a seagull bounced on his chest, he said that he tried to tried to grab it, but then he realized that it's it had flown away like a minute before. It was it was far in the distance. And he realized his reactions were so slow. Yeah. And then a boat came, a boat came past and he tried to shout and he was like, <laughs> oh and he said the first glass of water he had it, it felt like it didn't even reach his stomach. It just it just um rehydrated like his mouth and then the next glass just re rehydrated his throat he was so dehydrated and yeah. Be, yeah being in the sea as well like that salt is gonna it's gonna dehydrate yeah, oh, yeah. lucky guy man like lucky he survived that yeah really lucky really lucky should like write a book about that or something shouldn't you it's... i think there was written up in some newspaper there's a newspaper article about it online yeah, I can imagine. That's a that's a crazy that's an insane story, man. Yeah. What about um sharks? You said you get a lot of sharks in the Bahamas. You had a lot of encounters or um yeah, there's always every time you're fishing, there, there are sharks coming around, especially if you're fishing in a certain area for for a while, or if like if you hit a fish, then then we if if one of us catches a big fish, we usually um tell the other person and then we go back to the boat together and one person's like looking behind because a shark can come up and try and try and grab it but um it's funny sharks are so different some will be very chill and then some are very scatty and um you can tell that they're like on edge or something so uh, definitely some sharks make me feel more uneasy than other sharks do you what kind yeah. of sharks like bull bull sharks hammerheads these types or yeah, I've seen hammer. I've seen hammerheads. Um, reef sharks usually just some kind of reef shark, like a black reef shark. Oh, okay, what kind of size are we talking? It varies massively, but mm -hmm. like the biggest, the biggest I've seen is probably like this wide. That wide. That wide, and then like yeah, long. I don't know, eight feet long. Yeah, a couple meters. Jesus, that, that's big. So it's a shark like that. It's, it's, it's so scary. Mm. But um, but also in the Bahamas, there are lots of people who who study these things and I've spoken to I was speaking to some people doing their PhD on on um on sharks something to do with sharks they said that the thing to do if you get bitten by a shark is just to leave your arm in the shark because you shouldn't try and fight the reason why people really bleed out is because when they get bitten they like they try and fight and then the teeth are shaped like this mm -hmm. so when you try and rip your arm out or whatever limb then it, it will just completely um, rip up, rip, rip yourself up. But really you should just leave your arm or whatever in their mouth and they'll realize that they don't want to eat you because we're not, we're not good for sharks. They need some like pure protein and a shark won't, if a shark bites you, it won't eat you. This is, wow. this is what, this is what they were saying because we're not healthy. We don't have a good diet. They need, they don't, they don't stop moving. They move 24 hours a day. Yeah, that's true. Like, isn't it? If they stop, they can drown. Like, if they stop, they yeah, drown. yeah. Because they, in order for their gills to keep working, so to, to keep them oxygenated, they they don't stop moving. Because I heard there's a uh, one of the some of the old James Bond films, like the kind of Roger Moore ones back in the day, like you oh, know, yeah. forty years ago. They got they got criticised because for these sharks in the swimming pool scenes, they were like tied. Oh, yeah. up. You heard about this? They tied them up, and yeah, they're kind oh, of. Oh no, I, I didn't yeah. know that. Yeah, so do you ever see a Roger Moore film with the sharks? Like, no, those sharks didn't get treated. I know, I know that, I know that shot, I know that scene. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's it's, um, pretty, it's pretty savage, really. But I mean, I don't yeah. think you know, 
I think, fair enough, that sounds good in theory, what this professor person said. But imagine getting bitten by a shark and you just have to give him your arm. As yeah, a, yeah, yeah. Top tip, if you're getting attacked by a shark, let him, let don't him out. Your, don't, don't pull your arm out, yeah. But really, if there's a shark swimming towards you, you should try and push it away, I think, on the tip of the nose. Yeah, I heard the tip of the nose thing. Mm. It's very sensitive, yeah. So yeah. I watched this thing with this comedian, and he's like, "You're gonna punch it in the nose." He's like, "Have you ever tried to punch underwater?" It's like, Ugh! it's so slow. Yeah. There's a um. Yeah. Mm, it's crazy. Right. Um. All right. I think sh- should we wrap it up? Yeah. Sh- sure. Yeah. I mean, you you've given me a lot of time. Anyway, bro. Um, thanks for doing this that was really interesting um yeah yeah i'll, I'll message you when you're back in bristol we we'll maybe meet up do surfing do whatever yeah yeah i'd love to go surfing that'd be cool yeah well cheers mate uh enjoy italy as well thanks a lot man nice to nice to speak to you after all this time yeah cheers man all right see you later everybody bye the many things podcast